my TV right now. It was 28 minutes long. It had the declaration all of the words, and it was scrolling through like 80 pages. I mean, I'm telling you, if you say that declaration, you have dealt with every area of healing or any disease that could ever touch a human body. I mean, it was incredible, but it was like, it came on and I was reading and it caught my attention. I was like, what is this? You know? And I'm like, this is an ad. Then I was like amazed, like YouTube allows this to be an ad. Like, that's awesome. Some people need to hear this and engage in this. But I began to just read it, and I started saying some of the declarations. And I was like, I'm taking this one for Aralee, you know, like she starts talking about rashes and all of this stuff. And I was like, I declare that and I declare this, but something happened in me because it was like, you know, sometimes you just need like a wake up call to say, oh yeah, this is, this is my place. (laughs) That's right. I am a, I am a citizen of the kingdom of heaven and I have authority and all of these things are exactly true. Not that we haven't been praying in faith, not that we haven't been declaring healing, but there was something about this YouTube ad that came across that just shook me. It's like God just came on me and I was reminded like, oh yeah. So I just began to declare those and say, yep, I'm taking that for my kid. I'm taking that for me. I'm taking this for my family. I'm taking this for my church. You know, then you're like, I'm taking it for everybody. Uh, everybody's getting healed. Uh, so but it was, it was crazy. So these are the kind of things that are beginning to happen to me all the time, all the time. I'm just like, how does God do that? It's like, I was getting this scripture up here and I was reading it and it was talking about the glory of God. And then they say, show me your glory. And I'm like, how do you do this? (laughs) How does God do that? Do, do, Do you guys ever have those moments where you're like, only God, only God could know that at this moment, In your life, he would tell you this thing when this song started playing, when these people were present, when this thing was happening. I'm like, how do you do it? And that's been my life for like three months. I would love to have coffee with every single one of you and just like unload all of these things that I'm just like, ah, how do you do this, God? Like, you're so good. You're blowing my mind. So uh, I just encourage you, um, you know, We've been talking about the kingdom of God. We've been on a series on the kingdom. Like, remember your place in God's kingdom, that you are a citizen of heaven and all authority is yours. Isn't that powerful? So powerful. So, you know, I've been thinking um, a lot recently just uh, about how we love people. And how the church disciples people, not just our church, but just the church in general, how we disciple people and what's the most effective way to just walk side by side with somebody and help them grow and go deeper in Jesus and grow into maturity. And so I've just kind of been dwelling on this for several weeks, like, God, I want to figure out what you're saying and what you're doing. I don't want to just, I don't want to just do church the way that like, it's been done because that's the way it's done. I really want to get in your word. I really want to understand what you're saying about walking with people, with loving people. And again, so I'm in this mode and I'm, I'm on this whole track of just like, man, God, what if we just loved people by, by just like telling them who they were and, and just speaking life over them. And, um, and then I started, uh, this devotional by Bob Goff, uh, about on his new book called everybody always. And he, everything is exactly what I was thinking. And I was like, what, what? Like on the day, 
So I was already dwelling on this passage of scripture, which isn't that much of a coincidence because it's my favorite and I preach on it all the time. But I get a text from somebody that says, have you read this scripture in this translation? It's amazing. And I'm like, yes. And then I pull up the Bob Goff devotional. Do you know what the scripture was? That one. I'm like, what in the world is going on in my life? God, I mean, I'll just take it. Like, that's awesome when God talks to you that way, right? So, um, so some of my message today is going to be from Bob Goff. Okay. So I want to give credit where credit is due, but you know, I believe there's a shift happening in the body of Christ in this area where we, we've got to learn to love wildly and deeply and truly and in a God way, in a God way to every single person, even the people who make us uncomfortable. And he lays it out so beautifully in so many passages in the, in the word. Um, but I want to focus on one and that's Colossians three. Some of you just don't be surprised if you're guests with us. Colossians three is like my favorite and sometimes it doesn't matter how hard I try, but I just always end up there and preaching out of it, but I'm going to read it to you out of the passion translation. And we're going to start in verse 12. This translation is really different. You guys, I encourage you if you're, you know, if you read the Bible a lot, which I hope all of you are, um, you know, I've read the Bible a lot in the same translation. And this year I thought I'm going to change it up. Uh, cause sometimes God will just bring something fresh to you and then you can't read it mindlessly. You know, if you have passages that are familiar to you, uh, in a certain translation, whatever that is, then you can get to that part in the Bible and you're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. You're reading it. It's not that you're not reading it, but it's like you already, I know what this says, but you read it in a different translation and you're like, hold on. What is this saying? You know, you have to go back. You have to read it. So I'm going to start in verse 12. You are always and dearly loved by God. So robe yourself with virtues of God, since you have been divinely chosen to be holy. Be merciful as you endeavor to understand others and be compassionate, showing kindness toward all. Be gentle and humble, unoffendable in your patience with others. Isn't this a great passage? You guys are like, I'm going home now. Tolerate the weakness of those in the family of faith, forgiving one another in the same way you have been graciously forgiven by Jesus Christ. If you find fault with someone, release the same gift of forgiveness to them. For love is supreme and must flow through each Of these virtues, love becomes the mark of true maturity. Let your heart be always guided by the peace of the anointed one who called you to peace as part of his one body and always be thankful. Let the word of Christ live in you richly, flooding you with all wisdom and apply the scriptures as you teach and instruct one another with the Psalms and festive praises and with prophetic songs given to you spontaneously by the spirit. So sing to God with all your hearts. Let every activity of your lives and every word that comes from your lips be drenched with the beauty of our Lord Jesus, the anointed one, and bring your constant praise to God, the father, because of what Christ has done for you. 
I've read this several times this week, but last night when I went home and read it, I, I wept. I cried and cried and cried. I was glad that I got it all out. I was afraid I was just going to get up here and blubber through it. Wow. That is an interesting kind of love. And that's the one that we're called to. And this passage shows us what it looks like to come together as the body of Christ to help people grow into maturity. Love becomes the mark of true maturity. Not a perfect life, not having it all together. Love. I mean, be unoffendable in your patience with others. That's sometimes hard. Our love must go beyond holding people to rules. You know, we, we live in a society, every single person grows up being told what you want right? We, we are told what kind of school we should go to. Some of us were told this is the kind of spouse you should want. These are the kind of friends you should want every, cause every family has this in their DNA, whether you were in a healthy family or a not healthy family. A lot of times there's, there's direction our whole lives telling us what we want or what we don't want, what's good, what's bad, all of these things. And so sometimes I think that leaks into the church of, of, we just become, uh, people, who are telling people what they want. Like, in other words, uh, you, you become a Christian, so now we don't drink and we don't smoke and we don't cuss. And you know what? All of those things are valid. So please don't leave here saying that Ashley told us that character doesn't matter and you can do whatever you want. That's not what I'm talking about, okay? Um, but it's... For far too long, the church has, has lived this way of just kind of holding people to rules. And so people will come into the church and anybody can live by rules for a while, right? But then it just becomes compliance. And it's not true faith. It's just compliance. And that only lasts for so long. So I want to read, I want to read this passage from Bob Goff. It's so powerful. It's just like right where I was thinking this week when I read it. We're told we shouldn't drink or cuss or watch certain movies. We're told we should want to have quiet times in the mornings and talk to strangers about a relationship with God. We're told we should want to go on mission trips and witness to people. So we do it even though we don't really know what the words mean, but often just for a while. Because after long enough, what looks like faith isn't really faith anymore. It's just compliance. And the problem with mere compliance is that it turns us into posers. Rather than making decisions for ourselves, we do what everyone we respect tells us we ought to do. And we sacrifice our ability to make choices of our own. And so... One of the things that needs to happen, this is a, this easy to, it's, it's easy to change the way we do things is, you know what, instead of just telling people what they want and holding people to a set of rules, what happened if we would tell them who they are? Because we become in our lives, whoever the people we love the most say we are. 
if you read your Bible, you see this happening all the time. God is constantly doing this. Think about it. He told Moses, you're a leader. And Moses became a leader. It wasn't because he was acting like a leader. He said, Moses, you're a leader. And he became a leader. He told Sarah, she was a mother and she became a mother. He told Gideon, he was a mighty warrior and he became a mighty warrior. He told Peter, he was a rock and Peter rose up and led the church. This is the way God works in the, through, throughout scripture. And so to me, I'm like, that's probably a pretty good love model to follow what God is doing. What would happen if we stopped loving people by just telling them how to follow the God rules? Not that those aren't important. Listen, that's part of discipleship. People have to learn uh, that they're, that, that they don't want those things in our life, in their lives. But wouldn't it be better to bring them to the feet of Jesus, declare their identity over them. And when you get to the feet of Jesus, you don't want to watch bad movies and you don't want to cuss and you don't want anything impure in your heart. Because when you have an encounter with Jesus, the desire for those things go away. And that to me seems like a way more effective way to love people than to just say, okay, stop doing all of that stuff and just follow me. Sometimes we've, we've got to take a step back and love people by allowing the spirit to do the talking through us and letting God declare their identity. Because when we rely on our words, To lead people. It doesn't bring them to the feet of Jesus. They'll just have to keep coming back to us. And that's not the point of discipleship. The point of discipleship is not to bring people to get information from me. And have them have to keep coming back to me. I want people to get to Jesus. (laughs) Because Jesus is way better than I am at any of this. And if they can get to the feet of Jesus then they're more likely to grow into who God says they are. They're more likely to drop all of the the stuff in their life because they're encountering him. And then it gives me an opportunity to speak life into someone else. And then they become someone who speaks into someone else and we're funneling them to Jesus. But I think in order for us to love like this, we must have have to have an encounter like that ourselves. Because if you're just being a poser, you're not going to create a, a true follower of Jesus either. You're just going to create another poser, right? So we have to understand who we are. Who does God say that you are? Who are you? What is your name from God? Who does he say you are? I want to take you to a passage in Isaiah. This one has me, you guys. Isaiah 62. And God is talking to his people, Jerusalem. And so we're going to apply this to us because we're his people. And God is basically saying, because I love my people, I will stop at nothing. 
I cannot remain silent. And he picks up right before verse three and says, and you will be given a new name by the Lord's own mouth. The Lord will hold you in his hand for all to see a splendid crown in the hand of God. Never again will you be called the forsaken city or the desolate land. Your new name will be the city of God's delight and the bride of God for the Lord delights in you and will claim you as his bride. Now I have a thing about crowns. I'm there. It's what God is doing in me. So when I saw this scripture, my mind was blown to think that God would say he would hold us in his hand for all to see as a splendid crown. What? What? And then I got to thinking, you know what? It's because we were made for glory and not, not like to be paraded around and in a crazy, weird, prideful way. But listen, we are made to be containers of God's glory. It's the reason that he even created us in the first place. When he, when him and Jesus and Holy Spirit were hanging out before the end, before the beginning of the world, he was so delighted. It said before the foundations of the earth, he's talking about Jesus and he's saying that it was his delight, that it was, he was the glory of the father. And, and G and God is like, you know what? This is so awesome. I love my son so much that he is just my glory. In fact, I want to have lots of kids. I want to have a bunch more just like this. And so the plan of creation unfolded and it was all so that we could be his sons and daughters of glory, that we are made to be containers to hold his presence. I looked up the definition of crown because that's sometimes like God will just like open things up to me when I start digging into the words and the meaning. I mean, we all know what a crown is, but listen to these. <sighs> I like crowns even better now. A crown is an ornamental jeweled headdress signifying sovereignty, which means greatest in status, authority, and power. It's a wreath that's worn on the head to signify victory, an award given to the champion. So when God is calling us a crown in his hand, he's saying, look at my kid. Look at this beauty. She's a powerhouse full of authority, destined for victory and a champion. She is a champ. I don't feel like you guys are getting as excited (laughs) about this as I am. Does it blow your mind that God would say, this is, we're talking about the God of the universe. Everyone, you got that? The God of the universe, the creator of all things is saying about his people, about you. Look at my kid. (laughs) A 
splendid crown on display for all to see. My kid who is marked by authority and power and victory. That's my kid. This is my glory. We're made for this. You are made for that. See, some of you, some of you aren't excited about it because you don't believe it. This word is for you. This word is for you. You are made to be someone, a splendid someone who displays beauty and power and authority and victory. Because do you understand when Father God is staring at you, he is looking at you through Jesus. If you are a believer in Jesus, he's looking at you. He is seeing all of Jesus. And you know what? Sometimes we just look at ourselves and we're like, I mean, if I could think of myself as a crown, it'd probably be an old rusty one that somebody pulled out of the ancient ruins of Rome. But see, that's not, God, God's not looking at you going, oh, we got to polish that because this is all messed up and this is all messed up. He's looking at you through Jesus, through the blood of Jesus saying, no, this one's marked for victory. Look at this beauty. Look at this splendid one. He uses these, this verbiage that blows our mind because we get so focused on, on all of the rules and all of the stuff and all of the things that we're doing wrong, that we're messing up the past, the things that have been done to us, that we're a victim, that we can, we can live in all of these things and we, we agree with them. And so like this morning, I believe God is going to do something powerful in some of you that he wants, he wants to break this off of you and allow you to have eyes to see yourself the way he's talking about you. You're made for his glory. You're made to hold it. Now, listen, it says in the word that we're like jars of clay. Okay. We're not fancy. (sighs) But that's because people will know it's his power and not ours. And that's what the word says. I'm looking it up here if I can figure out. You know, sometimes do you, when you're preaching, do you ever just feel like um, the books of the Bible move places? And you're like, that really should be right there. And it's not because that's not really where it goes. I just think it should be there. This passage is in 2 Corinthians. If anybody wants the reference, I'm just going to look it up real quick because it's so powerful. Second Corinthians four, since we're talking about being containers of his glory, I just want to make, make sure that doesn't mean that you get to leave here just thinking that like you're the bomb.com and just in a prideful way. Okay. Like you should leave here full of confidence, full of understanding that you carry the kingdom, that you are a citizen of heaven and that all of the kingdom is now yours, but we've got to do it in the right way. We are like common clay jars that carry the glorious treasure within. So the extraordinary overflow of power will be seen as God's and not ours. And that's the way we hold God's glory. Because it doesn't make sense for any human being to be a container of God's glory, if you ask my opinion. But when you see an extraordinary overflow of power coming out of people's lives, then we go, 
that's definitely got to be God because ain't no human going to do that, right? So we're just jars of clay, but we get to be containers of God's glory. And he delights in us. He delights in us. You will be a splendid crown in the hand of God and never again will you be called forsaken or desolate. See, he's talking to his people and he's talking about the city of Jerusalem here that has experienced captivity, ruins, they've been trampled on, they've been left alone, God has abandoned them, they are desolate. And so no matter what your past looks like or even your present, if you feel desolate or forsaken or any of those things, I just believe this is a word from the Lord for you that you are a splendid crown in the hand of God. Never again will you be called forsaken or desolate. Your name will be God's delight because the Lord delights in you. Again, we're talking about the God of the universe delights in you. What? He delights in you. In you. In me. And you see, when we get a hold of this, when we are given a new name by the Lord's own mouth. It changes who we are. It changes the way we live. Because we live loved. If we believe this is true, if we believe that the God of the universe looks at us, puts us on display, calls us beautiful, makes us containers for his glory, and says he delights in us, then we are, we live loved people who live loved. Have you ever been around somebody like that? You know, they're confident. They're full of joy. It's like, they're just amazing. You're like, Oh, I love these people. They just love life. It's because they're living loved. They believe they're loved. It changes everything. And most of all, it will change how you love other people. And I believe that's the shift that's happening in the body of Christ is God is saying, no, I want you to understand how, like, how loved you are. And I want you to live from that place so you can love from that place so that we can get back to being sons and daughters of glory. So we can hold his glory so we can put it on display for other people so that other people will come into his kingdom. We're going to, we're going to close with communion and I've got a song I want to play for you. That's just really powerful. It's just talking about identity and, uh, pastor John referenced it a couple of weeks ago and it's called, I am no victim. And last night when when I was praying and getting ready, I, I just sensed really powerfully, like the spirit of God just came on all over me. And I was like, whoa, this is holy. One of those moments. And I just felt like the Lord said, I want people to break an agreement that they have made with the enemy. 
about who they are. And in my mind, I saw like a contract being ripped in half. And then I have to tell you this, you're going to believe it. I had this holy moment. I'm seeing it. I'm weeping last night, just thinking about like tearing apart the contracts that we've made in our hearts and our minds where we've agreed with all the lies of the enemy about who we are and lived under them. I was just like wrecked. And then an ad comes on YouTube. (laughs) I'd never seen it before. I look up at the TV. You guys, I can't even make this stuff up. I look up at the TV and they're like, are you stuck in a contract? And it rips. And I'm like, what? See, this is my life for the last three months. I don't even know. But here's the thing I do know is it was confirmation to say God was going, yeah, that's right. That's right. Because you don't have that thought and then see that on the TV and not go, is that still you, God? I don't know. Did I, did I really hear you? Don't be stuck in a contract. Shh. But that's really, that's really the moment that I saw as we take communion of, of God just saying, I want you to come to my table. And I want you to remember this contract. The one of Jesus' blood and his body that paid for all sin and all shame. Bind yourself to this. And break the contract with the enemy that you've agreed with that you're forsaken, that you're desolate, that you're never enough. Break a contract with insecurity, with shame. Break your contract because you don't have, it's like fake. If you're a believer in Jesus, it's not, it's like you've bound yourself to something that's not even real. If you're a believer in Jesus, this, this is your contract. This is your agreement. This is your covenant. The covenant of the blood of Jesus. It's enough. The blood of Jesus is what makes this scripture even possible. That's the only way we can even be splendid or glorious or containers for the kingdom of God to flow through us is because of Jesus. And so we've got to break our agreement with the enemy. And that's really easy. I do it all the time. God, I break my agreement with shame right now in the name of Jesus. And I declare I am no longer going to live under that. It's not magic. It's not, sometimes it's not like, oh, and then warm oil was poured all over my head and I had this amazing Holy Spirit manifestation. Now, sometimes it is. You never know, okay? I don't want to, I never rule that out, okay? But sometimes we have to understand that there's power in our words that when we say it's broken, it's broken. When we choose in our heart to say, I'm not living there. I'm not agreeing with that. I am breaking my agreement with the enemy. In Jesus' name, That's like, it's that easy. 
So we're going to pass out, ushers, maybe if you can help me, we're going to pass out the bread and the cup. And I know that's kind of awkward sometimes, you know, you're trying to balance everything, not spill your juice and, or I do anyway, I sit really still to try not spill it. But I'm going to play this song and I want you to just take time. You know, I was like, should we do this big response? But I just felt like the Lord said, I just want to see the contracts torn up. And so I want you, because every person in here probably has something different. We've all agreed with all kinds of random stuff. And you know what? I don't know all the answers, but Jesus does. He's always glad to show us. Hey, you're in agreement with that and I don't like it. Just be with my blood. That's it. So whatever's coming up in your heart, I want you to just take time to just say, I'm breaking that agreement in Jesus name. That's all it like. It doesn't have to be a big show, but just really take some time. And I even like challenge you to say it out loud. I mean, you don't have to yell it. So all your neighbors here, but like say, use your words because they're powerful. You just say it under your breath. God, I'm not living under that anymore. I'm not going to do it. Let this song speak to you. And when you're kind of done with that, I want you to take communion. I want you to eat that little cracker and drink your juice. Saying, I am realigning myself with the covenant that says I am enough. I am stepping into that, that you have called me the delighted one. Maybe God wants to give you a name from his own mouth today. Something specific for you. Listen for that and take the communion as an, as a response of sealing it, of saying I've broken this and I, I am remembering the real contract, not the fake one. I want to be, I want to be real, you guys. I want to live loved. I don't want to be a poser. I don't want to create posers. I just want to love. I want to love wildly. I want to love well. And I'm only going to do it when I'm loved like that. When I understand that I'm already loved like that. Amen. So pass this out and I'm going to pray. And, uh, then we'll play the song so we can go ahead and start this. I believe that this moment is holy and very, very significant. Whether you feel it or not in the moment, I believe that anyone who really responds to this, that this is a game changer for you. I, like last night, I knew, I know that God is doing something significant in some of you today. If When you break that thing, like it is going to be gone and God is going to do something amazing. Whether you leave here feeling totally different, some of you will. Some of you, it's just going to show up later in the week and you're like, whoa, that's gone. This is going to be significant.
God, I pray that your voice would be really clear this morning, that it would be the loudest voice in the room. And I just silence the voice of the enemy right now in Jesus' name. And we declare you have no power in this place. God, expose our hearts, but in a really gentle, good way, where we can see what things we've agreed with that aren't under the contract of the blood of Jesus. And give us the desire and the power to just break that. I declare faith will arise. And God, as we listen to this song that just declares that I am no victim, I'm not an orphan, I'm not a poor man, that you would just shatter all of those things off of our heart and that we will leave here loved, understanding love better, with a better grasp of who we are. And out of that, God, would you teach us how to love others in this crazy Colossians 3 way? Give us the grace to do that. In Jesus' name. Amen. We're going to close with a prophetic act. And all that means is that we're going to do something in the physical. That's a symbol of what's going on in the spirit. And so if you responded to this, I want you to just do the prophetic act of ripping the contract in half. I'm sorry. I do weird things, but there's something powerful about responding this way. So if that was you this morning, I mean, I'm here with you. I just had another thing come up. I I just want you to say, I just want you to do that. Like, like the prophetic act right now, of just saying, I have, I am disagreeing with that. I am no longer under the fake contract. All right. Yeah. Some of you, you're really getting into it. You're shredding it. That's awesome. You know, just do that. Just, just as a prophetic act, God, right now, we just tear those contracts in half. Lord, we thank you for every agreement that was broken today with the enemy. And we leave all that trash on the floor in this place in Jesus name. And I declare that we will walk out of here a freer people, a more loved people, aware of who you are, that we are who you say we are. Just as you have called so many people in your word, something before they even became it, God, I declare that we will become who you say we are. That we are who you say we are. That God, you are who you say you are. And we are defined by your promises and the blood of Jesus. Amen. All right. You, you can feel free to stay. If you'd like prayer, I'd be happy to pray with you. But other than that, you're free to go.